Jays will have today off, or they have today off before they open a three-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays tomorrow. Those games will, as always, be on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and on TV on Sportsnet. Uh, we will have Blue Jays talk following Friday's game, Mr. Barker and myself. And, uh, yeah, 17-15 and 15, the Jays after losing two games to the New York Yankees coming off that difficult series against the Cleveland Guardians. And, of course, anytime the Jays get set to play the Rays, you know, I like to say that the Trop is the Jays' house of horrors. But um, we'll see. We'll see this time. It's the first time the Jays have played the Rays this year. It's bizarre. Say it's May 12th, mm -hmm. and you haven't seen the Rays yet. Uh, and they have Kevin Gossman on the mound, so... If nothing else, you're going to see their best in that game. Yeah, Kevin's going to get Kevin's going to give them a chance. That that split with you know the Rays not being seen that this year will help him get him a little deeper in games. But it's how how the adjustments will be made with the with the offense and can they make adjustments? Drew Rasmussen is is throwing for mm -hmm. the, the Rays. You know what he throws? Yes, uh, I'm sure it's a. Uh... Cutter, cutter slider yeah. and his his cutter's got big spin on it. So it's yeah, that late movement. Exactly the type tunnel. of guy that, that this team and is difficult to right handed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so there. Uh, that's Mr. Barker. So much for the optimism. What? Uh, I say go fish and don't worry about the game today. Absolutely. Forget about it. Uh Bo Porter joins us now. He's MLB network analyst, and uh he will uh be an analyst tonight as well, an MLB network showcase game. Uh, as the New York Yankees take on the Chicago White Sox at 8 o'clock. The Yankees, as we mentioned, very much a team on the roll right now with uh, timely hitting, better than expected starting pitching in a bullpen that just absolutely scares the bejesus out of you. And that's really the only way to put it. Bo, thanks for joining Kevin and myself. We trust, we trust that you're keeping well. Um, I, I was thinking about this... Uh, Coming into the show today, Kevin Barker talked about, we were talking about Vladdy and the perception that Vladdy is slumping. And, you know, yesterday Vladdy snapped the bat over his knee and everything. The Jays aren't hitting with runners in scoring position. But if you look at Vladdy's numbers through May, it's not like he's fallen off the face of the earth. He hasn't been Vladdy, but he's certainly kept his head above water in that time. Now, you've... I mean, you've been around a lot of really good hitters. Is a slump, does a slump feel different to a guy like Vladdy than, you know, Santiago Espinal or, or Lourdes Gurriel? Do, do core players, star players wear a slump differently than other guys? Um, yes, first of all, Jeff and Kevin, thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored to be on you guys' show. When you, when you think about superstar players and the expectation that surrounds them, that, that is one area that you have to be mindful from an organizational standpoint, from a manager standpoint, a hitting coach standpoint, understanding that there is more pressure on them to perform and that they're probably going to hold themselves to a higher standard. Um, and, say, and saying that, what you take comfort in is knowing the skill set and the talent of a player like Vlad Jr. and knowing that even his, you know, slump 
when you start to look at it in retrospect of what he projects to be, you know at the end of the day the numbers are going to bear out and he's going to be an all-star MVP caliber player. But the biggest maturation for young players, and I had Miguel Cabrera when he was real young. The biggest ma- – and he can, he can hit 350, you know, getting out of bed, but there's times where he's about 280, 275, and he's ready to pull his hair out because the expectation that he has of himself is one that is much greater than probably anyone else can put on him. But when I, when I was a player, you know, when I, when I was hitting and I was struggling and we had a day off, I, I tried to remember when I was younger how I handled that. When I was older, how I handled days off. You know, did I walk away from the game? Did I go to a batting cage when I was younger? You know, sometimes when you're a little younger, you tend to overdo it. If you're the manager of the Blue Jays, Blue Jays going through a little hiccup offensively, just not living up early on to expectations like you just mentioned. What would be the message? Or, or early with a day off, is it go away? What, what's, you know, what would be your message to the team about a day off this time of the year? Um, I think the best thing that you can do sometimes is step away. Mm-hmm. Um, because baseball is a grind, it's 62 games in 180 days. You're never going to be short on time to work. You're never going to be short. You can find yourself short on time to step away because the schedule is going to continue to roll. So you have to take advantage of your off days to, more importantly, to clear the mechanism in your mind. Because if you were to jump in, let's just say a day like today, Toronto has a day off. If you jump in and you're doing extra hitting and you're breaking down your swing and you're dissecting what went wrong with this at-bat and that at-bat, what starts to happen is your mind never has time to recover. And sometimes it's not physical. We see the physical results when the hitter is in the batter's box or they take a bad swing or they take a pitch that you're saying to yourself, how does he take that pitch? A lot of times it's really from the neck up where mentally they're just not in the right frame of mind. So being able to step away and clear your mechanism and then come back the next day, sometimes it's the best medicine. Yeah, you may have just answered this this question a little bit with what you just said right there, but runners in scoring position is a whole different animal. I, I like to take pride whenever I was a player that I thought I was a run producer. Like I hit in the middle of the order, no matter if I was in AAA or the big leagues, I thought I was sort of that guy that wanted to come up when it mattered the most and get the big-time hit. Blue Jays are struggling. You can see a little throughout the league a lot of people are struggling when it, when it matters the most. It's sort of that, you know, you see the pitcher bearing down a little bit more. He may throw you backwards occasionally with runners in scoring position because that's a big part of the game. Is there, you know, in the dugout, in the clubhouse, you've been through it. You, you know, you've been manager. You've been on that side of the ball where the, the conversation's a little different. What can you say? Is there is there a formula with runners in scoring position that, you know, you can try and help guys out? How, how's that talk go? Well, I, I was blessed to have a conversation with Edgar Martinez one day mm-hmm. just talking about driving in runs. And, you know, he's a Hall of Famer and one of the best ever. And Edgar would always say, the money's in the middle of the field. Yeah. When you start to think about runners in scoring position, one of the things that can get any hitter in trouble is to get into pull mode or to feel like the pitcher is going to make a mistake on the inner third of the plate. 
most pitchers, when they get runners in scoring position, they're throwing the ball in more for a purpose to speed you up, to get you out away, so that they could either induce a ground ball double play because once you get traffic on the bases, the pitcher is looking for a ground ball. So as the hitter, to me, I've always found a lot of success in driving in runs if you commit to using the big part of the field. So if you say to yourself, I'm going to drive this ball, I'm a right-hander, I'm going to drive this ball to right center field, it's going to help you, one, lay off of those inner third pitches that are more designed to speed you up and set you up, and you're going to find yourself in a position where the pitcher will play right into your hand. You know, Bo, I've got this theory, and and maybe part of it comes from the fact that we just finished seeing a series between the Yankees and the Jays where, uh, you know, the umpiring was an issue as it related to to Josh Donaldson being hit by a pitch. I mean, it seems like every night now we see – we see footage of somebody getting upset with the strike zone. Um, and, you know, we've talked about it's, at some point there may be an electronic strike zone. Talked about all this. But I, one of my concerns is it's May. Offense is down. More teams are going to be in the playoff race because of expanded playoffs. Pitchers aren't happy with the baseball it, one of my concerns is that this game gets to a point if stuff doesn't happen in the summer, if it doesn't look a little more the way we're used to seeing baseball look in the summer, we're going to see more of these confrontations because it, it just seems to me, Bo, there's just there's a lot of frustration right now around the game. Like there's just a lot of frustration and you see it almost every night. You know, when you go on MLB Network, you, almost every night you see this frustration. That concerns me a bit. Should I be concerned and are you... Are you detecting that? Um, I, I, w- I would say this. Uh, I don't think that there's cause for concern. I think there are several, several things that is contributing to what we're seeing early on in the game. One, I think that from a competitive balance standpoint, I think that our game is at, is at, a, is at a high point of teams actually feeling like they can get into the postseason mm-hmm. because of the expanded postseason. With that being said, the intensity level is always going to be greater for people that are in contention. So when you start to look at a lot of these, what I call just, you know, back and forth, um, you know, battery mates going after each other, it is the intensity of the game that's more so causing that. When you also start to look at the shortened spring training and pitchers really not getting the workload that they normally would get and a regular spring training. I think that is, you know, attributing to a lot of the hit batters or pitchers not really having the command that they're going to have as we move deeper into the summer. And the third component is, I think with, you know, everything that came out of the new collective bargaining agreement, you're going to see more and more young players advancing to the major league level that are not complete projects, you know, that are not complete, that that have not completed their development. Mm -hmm. So with that being the case, a lot of them are going to be learning on the job. And I would say the the last component to that is that I think we all got to like realize that the game is coming back to pitchers realizing that the inner third of the plate, they're going to have to own 
and they're going to have to stop these hitters from diving and feeling comfortable in the batter's box. Mm. So I think all of those things are contributing to what we've seen in the early stages of our season, but I actually think all of those are good for the game because it's going to make the game more exciting as we move deeper into the summer, into the postseason. Bo, you mentioned the excitement of the game. I know you have a, a new gig now with the MLB Network, and you watch the game probably a little bit differently than you did when you were in the actual game between the lines and those kind of things. Do you like the game? Do you like where, you know, the shifts and the and the pitch calm and the, the overusage of sliders and the lack of hitting? Do you, do you like the game, and do you think there needs to be a little bit of a change? And do you think I, I, the rumblings are that the shift's going away next year? Do you like that? You think that's a good idea? I, I actually like it. I, I, I attribute it to you look at the NBA when, you know, they had zone defenses and they realized that the game kind of got stagnant and they got away from zone defenses and called it an illegal defense. Why? Because they wanted to create more offense in their game, realizing that we are, we are a form of entertainment for the fans. So when you start to look at the shift defenses and what it started to do to the overall product on the field, I am an advocate that the game must win. And what I mean by the game must win, if the shift defense is now having an advert, you know, impact on the game and it's not allowing our game to be that entertaining, that entertaining factor that our fans are looking for, then yes, the game needs to adjust to that factor and go back to, you know, whether it is, you know, the, the second baseman or an infielder has to be on, on the dirt Whatever the language ends up being, I, I believe that the league is making every effort to actually add excitement and entertainment to our game, which we have a responsibility to do that. I think the game is it's getting better. And the reason I say it's getting better because when you start to look at the infusion of young talent that's entering into our game, I think the, the infusion of young talent is at an all-time high, and it's our job as a lead to capitalize on this and make sure that we increase the entertainment value. Well, before we let you run, we've, you know, we focus a lot on the AL East here just because, well, because it's where the Jays are and the Jays and Yankees and Red Sox and Rays. Have, you know, they, 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 they really like to go at it, hammer and tong. But I'm looking out west. I, I, I'm looking at the Los Angeles Angels. I don't know if anybody saw this coming. They're 21 and 12. Um, obviously, they have Otani. They have Trout. Can they keep this up? Can the Angels keep this up? Like, do you see them as as potentially potentially winning that division? Even I tell you, it's going to be it's going to be a dogfight between the Angels and the Astros. But when you look at the Anaheim Angels. And they have Otani, Trout, and Rendon. They have three of the top ten players in our game, offensively. Mm -hmm. And now you can go Otani. They have Syndergaard. They have the kid that just pitched a no-hitter his last outing, Detmer. They are a scary team because if you get into a short series against that team, and you got to beat Otani twice or maybe three times, I don't think there's many teams out there that can actually do that. So they're probably the most dangerous team in the American League hmm. for me mm -hmm. because they can make a run that 
that not too many teams can make because of the way their roster is set up. Now, they're going to need to shore up and get probably another starter and shore up their bullpen. But the beginning pieces of a championship team, they have it. I still think they're going to have to take the West from the Astros because the Astros have had a stranglehold on it. If you want to beat a man, you got to beat the man. So I see that division coming down to those two clubs, but it may be decided by Otani. Bo, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Terrific insight. Great stuff. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. I would love to get a copy of it if you guys can send it over to me. Mr. Mark Boffo will do that. Thanks, man. Thank you, Bo. Bo Potter, or Bo Potter. Bo Porter's MLB Network Analyst. Uh, he will be uh, on air tonight in the MLB Network showcase game uh, between the Yankees and the White Sox at 8 o'clock. Interesting hearing him talk about the Angels, you know. I mean, kind of of the Angels are a team you kind of keep an eye on out of the corner of your eye. It is. It is. Can can Trout play 150 games, which... To me, it's holding your breath on to that. Me, the Rendon's X, the same thing. I was going to say, to me, the X factor there is if if Anthony Rendon is healthy. Um, we saw him, I saw him hit a home run left-handed. Yeah, because uh, he was against Phillip, Brad Phillips. Phillips yeah. yeah, which is a joke. You don't they like have four, they got fourteen pitchers. Use them. I got an idea yeah, I here. That. No, I, I here's I like here's my idea. I like a lefty homer. Uh, yeah, the lefty homer was great. I'm with you. I think the idea of position players being used to pitch is just stupid it is it's dumb i had this idea and i and i know the first thing people are going to say is okay jeff it wouldn't necessarily apply to shohei otani would it and the answer is no because otani is a pitcher and a hitter if you use a position player as a pitcher in a game he cannot play another game as a position player until he's pitched a second time so in other words, if I use Brett Phillips as a as a pitcher in a there game, you go. I can't put him back into the field until I've used him as a pitcher. Even if that means I got to run him out, I can't use him as a position player until he's pitched another time. Otani's not going to like that, but it would. No, but the uh, Otani. It, would cure it, it wouldn't matter else. with Otani because Otani. Yeah, I mean, you're already making a separate rule for Otani. You are. You've yeah. already made a separate rule with with the. You know, all-star game with the postseason and re-entry and all that. You already made it. Tawny wouldn't matter. But I'm saying if you're a position player, and if you really want to do it, you could say, yeah, if you haven't made 10 major league appearances what? as a pitcher, you can't come. You're in. way overthinking this. Yeah, all you got to say is, if you're on the roster as a position player, no pitching for you. Period. End of story. How simple is that? Because There's so many pitchers on the roster. Is there a, is it, is it a 14 now? Come on. Dumb. It's dumb. And I know people. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and, Let's go. You know, How's that fun to watch he, a guy throwing 45 miles an hour? I mean, there are people out there fun. who are going to say, oh, yeah, but it's fun. But you know it what? It's not. it's not. It is not. Trust me. I've seen enough of it. It's not fun. It's not, not fun. fun. It's it's basically a guy who shouldn't be pitching, pitching to to hitters. And it's a waste of time. You might as well at that point. I'd rather have a mercy rule and just say stop the game and I'm let us you. all go home. I'm with you. You know, it's anyhow. I hate to agree with you, but I, I'm in agreement with something that. About, it's something about the game that I've that struck me. Rendon, I, I, I was almost pulling my hair out because I was seeing him doing that, and I'm thinking to myself, what if you, you face all this nasty pitching? This is one time that you get to go back leg city right-handed. Don't do that. And then he flips around and hits a homer left-handed. All I know is... All I know is I see him doing that, and I'm thinking, 
oblique, hip. Uh, he's done it. You can tell he's done it before. Yeah, I'm sure he's done it in BP. I'm sure he oh, does yeah. it in BP all the time. Oh, yeah. But still, I, you know, it's like, it. it's just, it's, you know, like when the Jays had, was it Ryan Goins that pitched uh, that Canada Day game against Cleveland? And um, and, th- and that, that was like a 19-inning game or something like that. But the fact of the matter is that Ryan Goins was hurt. He couldn't play the next day because his arm was sore. I just don't I, – I just think it's silly. I really do think it's silly. That's not me just getting old, is it? No, one. I'm with you. That's... And I'm not old. Jays are in Tampa. I'm in my prime, Jeff. Talk to me about Tropicana Field. Never mind, it's a house of horrors, blah, blah, blah. We talked about this coming on. Unless you've attended a game there, TV doesn't even do us justice. No. It is it is dark, isn't it? It's it is. a I, dark place. I, now, I have never, I, I have to be honest, I've never played there, so I can't say this because I've actually stood in the box there, but I have talked to tons of people who have played there. I've talked to Chad Matola a lot about about playing there and how hard it is to make adjustments when you're former teammate yeah yeah when you're having issues seeing the baseball and uh, you know the, a little while there it was the backstop wasn't big enough to where the ball would be hidden and especially if it was, eye, yeah you faced a pitcher that had yeah. iron Mike and they were tall guys and and the ball would go above the batter's eye and you had a real tough time of of seeing it from there back to the batter's eye and then it's just quite frankly dark and, 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 you know, it was it was a true home field advantage. And when you got home field guys saying they hate hitting there. That's, and, that's and, never good. Yeah, that's never a good thing. So you add on top of that a, a team going in there who's having troubles, you know, challenges when it comes to I kind of like the, the confidence. It's not, not, I like I, the drop. You do not. I don't mind that the drop at all. You, you <clears> like the food, team. Good you beer. like the team. Now, good you food, do good not beer. Like not going to get rained on. It's gloomy. It feels like it's raining indoors. The, you know, the the you know, I do have a family member that goes there a lot. And when she's not a fan of it, <laughs> like she's she's like the easiest person to please in the world. She 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 complains about nothing and she's not a giant fan of that place. And you know, a, a lot of the two goes in there, you have to face good pitching and, and the Rays are a real good team, you have to beat them. They're not normally gonna beat themselves. Blue Jays got to play good. That's my point. Manuel Margot will be back, by the way. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's not going to help either. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, like, that's not going to help either. No, that's... he was hot when he, he's hot when he went on the on the aisle. It's, you know, again, this this gets <clears> back to I, I just love what George Springer said. There is an urgency now. The off day. If you want to think about anything, think now that maybe when I heard urgency, I heard runner on second base, nobody out. It's okay mm-hmm. to give yourself up. It's for the good. It's for the good of the team. It's not always about you. That's what I heard when he said urgency. It's not about taking the big daddy hack. Now Bo's going to take it because it's just Bo and and well, you know you know, we had Billy on, and mm-hmm. Billy said, oh, "Why would you do it? Because it's Bo Bichette. That's why. It's no other reason other than that. That's why he's in the big leagues. That's who he is. He's not going to change things, even with two strikes. And when you got a guy out there who's left-handed through a bazillion miles an hour, he's going to swing harder. Shortening up and trying to go the other way is not always his." His cup of tea. But other guys, it's it'll be interesting to see now that Vladdy's had a little day off, can step away, had had conversations. I'm sure he's gonna talk to his dad. He'll talk to Mo, Moises Salou. He'll talk to guys that he trusts about the game of baseball. When you're struggling, what did you do? Did you move in the batter's box? Did you go up hunting a certain pitch? 
Uh, did you have a two-strike approach? Which Flatty doesn't have any of those. He's not going to move in the batter's box. Doesn't have a two-strike approach. Mentally with two strikes, thinks the other way. That's not really a two-strike approach. Will we see a change? I know the numbers don't add up to a slump, but visibly confidence is not there for him. Do you change something? I know I would, but he's a different animal. The Rays, by the way, of course, were no hit a couple of nights ago, came back and uh, answered that with a win yesterday over the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And uh, they are 7-3, and three, went 7-3 and three on their West Coast road trip because they were the Rays. They play good defense, a good timely hitting, a good pitching. You got to beat them. Yeah, at least you don't, at least never, you don't have to face McClanahan. It's never going to change with the – I don't think that matters. <laughs> The guys are throwing, uh, most of them are right-handed. Yeah. And can go middle of the way to a bunch of right-handed hitters who all have the same weakness right now. And they all, that's what I said. They all have the same weakness. It's middle of the way with a tunneling slider off the middle of the way. How do you adjust to that? A reminder, DMs are open for Barker's back leg bits. That is your chance to ask Mr. Barker anything. Questions about baseball, life. Orn- yeah, I'm probably or- not going to answer live questions. Ornithology. Cause, cause ornithology. Is that what the study of birds is? I don't know. You tell me, smart guy. I don't know. Uh, DMs are open for they- Barker's back leg bits. We'll get to it in the next They can ask you segment. the color of birds. We'll also be joined by Jeff Pass and MLB Insider at ESPN. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan 360. Nope, not done yet. 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker for Thursday. A reminder, the Jays will not be playing the Rays tonight. Three-game series starts tomorrow. We'll be on immediately following it with Blue Jays talk. I've already done the trivia question, right? You would have never got that either. I would have never got it either. No. (laughs) First of all, I don't like that guy. And secondly... Yeah, it would have been. It was... It was Try not to think about him any. Anyhow, a lot of folks have responded to the trivia question with a uh, chance to win tickets to see the Mariners and the Jays on Wednesday. And all I can tell you is a lot of you got it wrong. <laughs> but don't feel bad because nobody else in this room would have got it right anyhow. I would have, after I looked it up, I would have got it right. Should we ask Passon? But then, but then, then we'll, he's gonna give, then the we'll give away like, the answer. He'll probably know it because he does research. Then we'll give away the answer. All right, I'm going to ask. Worked, he might have worked with this guy too. Mr. Passon, how you doing? <clears throat> What's up, boys? What's the trivia question? Who holds the Mariners' single-season record for runs scored? Um, I would guess Edgar Martinez. Nope. Nope. Second guess. Um, mm, boy, oh, boy. Okay, so who is in the middle of the lineup? I'm sure you've worked with when... him. Well, don't give it away. Uh, it's probably Harold Reynolds, then. <laughs> See, I didn't give it away. Uh, no. 
Well, you, now you have to tell him. Well, I will. I will talk because no, listen. I I would have gone. Oh, I, uh, I, uh, okay, okay, okay. It's it's got. Uh, I I know who it is. I won't say it though. Okay, but you know who it is. Yeah, I mean, do you want do you do you want me to say it? Well, yeah. at this point, you have no, to. You can go ahead and say it. That's fine. Yeah, it's Alex Rodriguez. There you go. Yeah, there you go. And I I we were looking at it. I would have gone Ichiro. Ken Griffey's who Ken I was Griffey. Saying. And then I was thinking yeah, Edgar. See, I, I I felt. I felt like Ichiro and Griffey were kind of too obvious. I went with Edgar because the on base and right. because he was in the middle of the lineup, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then, yeah, A-Rod, I, I mean, I would have gotten around it eventually, but I admit that A-Rod would have probably been, at best, at best, my third choice. And mm-hmm. if I'm really honest, I'm probably, I probably would have said Edgar as well. But anyhow, there you go. So uh, <laughs> you still have time to send in the answer to the trivia question, by the way, at 590, 590. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that. This show's on a roll. Oh, it is Since on a roll. Since you've left, and I haven't, we haven't talked to you in a while, it's been on a roll. Yeah, it's been on a real roll. You know? <laughs> I'm actually famous for asking trivia questions and giving the answer at yeah, the same time when I go. started out because everything had to be scripted, so I'd read the trivia question and give the answer, and then the producer at the time, Travis McKenzie, would look at me, and he'd stare at me, and I'd have no idea. I'd just go on, and then he'd come in at the break and say, you know you gave away the answer. Now the they highlight part. the answer. Anyhow, enough so of that. So he doesn't read it. Um, hey, uh, I got this theory that uh, we, we had Bo Porter on a little early, and we were talking about this, and maybe it's because I've still got this memory of the whole uh, Alfonso Marquez, Josh Donaldson, uh, Jimmy Garcia thing from the night before, but... Um, it was, it, that, by the way, that that was so bad. Huh. That was just. Wow. I, I was talking with Dan Schulman and Pat Tabler yesterday. It was just really bad. There was no excuse for that. Oh. And, and 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 Alfonso Marquez has been an umpire long enough to know that you got to have some feel, man. And there was just no feel in that choice that they made. None. See, Go I, ahead, Jeff. Four is yours, buddy. No, I, I just I I went on and I was actually proud of myself because I would we did the post game show right after it before a lot of the information came out and I said hey for all we know all we know something was said on the field that could have led up to that which you know it turned out to be the explanation Alfonso Marquez was given or, or gave us but somehow Barker turned that into the fact that I thought the umpires had done a good job I said I I I I thought it it wasn't the right decision. But I under I, I said I I thought there has to be a reason that somebody would reach that decision because I just don't buy the argument that a crew chief and his umpires in the fifth inning say Jesus this game is boring let's just let's make it interesting by tossing somebody I, I thought there had to be sure a reason like it. anyhow but my point is that my my point about this is I'm wondering with offense being down you know, pitchers are unhappy with the ball. Nobody's happy right now, and it's May, and everybody's got a chance unless you're the Cincinnati Reds to make the playoffs. Jeff, are we going to see more of this? Like, are, are tempers going to be maybe at an all-time edge this summer? You know, I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, I, I certainly is a possibility. It, it, I, I don't quite agree with your premise that only the Reds are out of it. Um, the Orioles are out of it. The Royals are out of it. The A's are out of it. The Rangers are out of it. The Tigers are out of it. The Nats are out of it. Jeff, the this Cubs is sports are out talk radio. We don't. We don't. We don't really care about accuracy here. We really don't. Like I mean, 
you know, we're 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 mm. hyperbole. We, we we put the hyper in hyperbole. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it, it, I was going to say. Well, if if we're operating on that premise, then yeah, Jeff, you're exactly <laughs> right. There's going to be a lot of fights this summer. It's going to be amazing. No, but I'm just wondering because look. Guys, you know, there are a lot of young guys, guys in arbitration. If they hit the all-star break and they're hitting 240 with, you know, I'd be seven home runs and, and 38 RBI because they're, they're, you know, the ball is mushy. Mushy. Or what, that was the Soft. description we had. Yep. Somebody gave it to us, mushy. There could be some unhappy players there. Yeah. I mean, as, as Marcellus Wallace once said, pride only hurts. But I would like to believe that. There is enough pride, uh, generally speaking, among baseball players that they recognize letting your emotions get the best of you is about the worst thing that you can possibly do. And so um, the the tension with umpires is real, Jeff, but the the tension with umpires has always been there. The tension with umpires always will be there. And uh, I, I think that if this becomes an endemic thing where every day we're seeing something like this happen. Major League Baseball is going to start chucking out more uh, more harsh suspensions, and guys are going to start asking themselves, is it worth it? And the answer is going to be no. There's, there's always uh, a, a rejoinder that's available for MLB if things do get out of control. And I, I hope it doesn't reach that point. And frankly, I don't think it's going to reach that point. But if it were to, uh, there, there's a solution there. Jeff, I know it's early sample size with the Blue Jays, but get your impressions on what you've seen so far with them, and should we be worried about the offense? Uh, No, we should not be worried about the offense. That said, uh, they could use a left-handed bat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They they really could use a left-handed bat, and Josh Bell is just there waiting to be had. And and I – listen, I I do wonder – uh, what the Blue Jays are going to do to shore up them. So their their rotation's awesome. I mean, if it, especially if you get into the playoffs, guys, and who's the three at this point? Does it go Gosman, Manoa, Barrios? Yep. Yeah. Like, damn. I know. That is that is not a fun wild card series right there. And yeah, starting pitching is is at its nadir. Uh, it's been decades since if ever starting pitching uh was this unimportant to the grand scheme of things, but I'm sorry if you're rolling into a playoff series with those three starters outside of Dodgers, can you name me a better top three? Oh, it's pretty. I, we were talking about this the other day uh, with with Barrios kind of looking as if he's stabilized a bit after, uh, admittedly, yeah. a very yeah. very early hiccups. I mean, I'm with you. I by by the by, by the way, the answer is the Brewers. The Brewers do have a better top three, and if Degrom is back, the Mets have a better top yes. three. But uh, the point point being, in the American League. I'm not sure that there is a top three in a rotation that I would rather have than what the Toronto Blue Jays have. I mean, if, you know, if the White Sox get fully healthy and you've got Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech, the way he's pitching, uh, Dylan Cease, you know, the the White Sox are probably up there with him. But I I think ultimately as good as the bats can be and as good as I think they're going to be, frankly, Mm -hmm. um, 
to, to me, this is a team that's going to live and die by the performances of its starting pitching. Yeah. And uh, they, they, need, they need that left-handed bat. They could use another bullpen arm. But I, I don't think there's a whole lot left between what there is right now and what the peak manifestation of these Toronto Blue Jays is. Yeah, you were real quick with the Josh Bell name. Boy, you rolled that right off the tongue like you've been thinking about it. You might have heard something. Now, question would be, as soon as I heard you say it, what would it take to get him? Is it big leaguers? Is it somebody in those top three or four minor leaguers that the Blue Jays have? Nah, because he's going to be a free agent after the season. So I I don't think that the price is going to be remarkably hefty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Listen, it's not going to be insignificant because when you have a guy of his caliber, um, somebody who's a switch hitter, somebody who doesn't strike out a lot and hits for power, um, you're in a really good position to to ask, especially with the universal designated hitter in place, especially with as few teams uh, that are going to be selling as there potentially are this July. Uh, it's not going to cost you Moreno. It's not going to cost you Martinez. It's not going to cost you Groshans. Um, after that, is there anybody that you would say, no, we, we don't want to move this guy. He's too good. No, nope. not, not no, not for me. Not if it's about winning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If I'm getting, and I think Kevin and I have been, <clears throat> have been talking about this. My question has always been: I know you need a left-handed bat, but where do you put that left-handed bat right now? It would, I mean, the only place it would be it would be DH because you're not moving any yeah. of the outfielders. But that that's as Parker's point is that's enough because right now, if you look at the Jays lineup, I mean, there's a whole bunch of guys that you can pitch the same way. Yep. And it's that simple. You can get them out the same way. I mean, let's let's put it this way. I don't think Rymel Tapia is is the solution for that left-handed bat. So if you have a lineup, um, whether it's Kirk, Jansen, or potentially eventually Moreno, Vladdy at first, uh, Espinal or Biggio at second, uh, Bichette at short, Chapman at third, uh, Guriel and left Springer and center Tay Oscar and right and Josh Bell at DH. Yeah. Good God Almighty! Yeah, like that—that's that's unfair. And the, so, so the fact that we're talking about the Jays' offense with those names in it, I just uh, sorry, I don't worry at all about that offense. Uh, but if you have the chance to upgrade the way that they do, I think you take it. Do you think we'll see? Uh, more trades before the trade deadline this year? You know, are you talking like or like May or June trades as yes. opposed to your... Yeah, May, like especially I'm, I'm thinking May or, May or early June trades. I, I gotta be honest, I don't have a great feel for that at this point. Okay. Um, I, let's put it this way. Cincinnati could and should be looking to move anyone it possibly can at any time, right? Like, we, we know the Reds are cooked. Oakland uh, is not going to be competitive in the American League West. So, Frankie Montas, if, if I'm a club right now and I need a starting pitcher, I'm asking myself, how much more am I going to pay right now mm-hmm. than I would at the end of July? And I don't think the answer, frankly – is a whole lot. So why wouldn't I go out and get him for, uh, you know, nine, ten, even up to a dozen more starts that he's going to have 
between now and the end of the trade deadline. Like that, you know, that, that seems like a no brainer to me for a team out there that, uh, that clearly has a deficit starting pitching to go out and get Montas. Um, you know, Baltimore is always looking to sell the Detroit uh, and Kansas city, even though it's still early, may be in that position where, it's not just that they're losing, it's that they're getting outscored too. And as great as their aspirations were going into this season, it uh, doesn't seem like either is going to fulfill that. The, the big wild card here is Boston. Right. And That's working. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Red Sox are the Red Sox aren't selling yet, nor should they. I, I think, like the Mariners, I think the Red Sox are more talented than their record indicates. And when you have a talented team it's best to give it time. And it's not just best to give it time because the Nationals came back from 19 and 31 to win the World Series or because the uh, Braves were sub-500 well into the second half and won the World Series. Those are just examples of something that can happen. They're not reasons to hold on, but they illustrate that selling this early, punting now, trading Xander Bogarts, frankly, would just not be the prudent move when all it takes is you know, a hot month and you're back in the thick of things with 12 teams making the postseason. Yeah, see, you mentioned Xander Bogarts, and I find that situation fascinating because... Oh, yeah. Um, I, look, I, you know, I, we all know we all know the Trevor story, Bogarts, but I, I got to tell you this. If, if, you were to, if you were to trade Xander Bogarts, um, I mean, you're, you're setting up, and I, I don't know if, if Heimblum thinks this way, but I would hate to be Trevor's story the day after Xander Bogarts gets traded if I'm hitting 220 with two home runs and, and, and uh, 21 RBI. I would not. I would hate to be him because I mean it's Boston, and you know what that. I mean, you know what that could turn into. Like I think they're in a real. I think they're in a real pickle with Bogarts. I don't think they have any choice, Jeff, but to hang on to him. And then if they lose him to free agency, you lose him to free agency. I mean, I. I don't. I just don't think they can do anything else. I mean, I guess, but if they it, listen, if it gets to July first, Jeff, and the Red Sox are fifteen games back of first place and ten back of a playoff spot, you're telling me High and Bloom doesn't move Xander Bogarts? Yeah, come on, boy, that's I mean, that's just it, listen. Let's let's remember where High and Bloom came up. He came up yeah. in the organization. That Mac, the Tampa Bay Rays, that uh, subsist by maximizing value. Yeah. And in the notion of Xander Bogarts, especially, so let's tie this back to labor stuff. If the international draft is happening this year, that means there's going to be no qualifying offer on players. That's right. Which means Xander Bogarts yeah. would walk for free. They would get nothing back. As it is, they're not going to get a ton back, even if the qualifying offer system is in place, because. They're a big market, big dollar team, so the, the draft pick they get back is not going to be nearly as significant as some of the lesser teams um, or, or some of the teams with lesser resources. So all of a sudden, you're weighing either no draft pick or a middling draft pick versus a really good prospect, which is what it's going to take to go and get Bogarts. You're telling me that the, the you know Tampa Bay Rays reared – head of the Boston Red Sox is not going to take advantage of that. It just makes too much sense uh, in the grand context to see him traded to think that they would not. 
Jeff, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, man. Good to hear your voice again. Thanks, Jeff. Pleasure is always mine. Keep up the great work with the trivia, Jeff. Nice. He nailed him. <laughs> Take care. See you, man. That's Jeff Passan, MLB Insider with ESPN. No the chance trivia. they trade him. No chance. I don't know. I think Jeff is... I, You're supposed to do that in Tampa. Yeah, but he's supposed to do that. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. Well, you know, as I tell people, Freddie Freeman. Um, I, I just think... They're I coming think, off a World Series, though. I, it's a lot mm. easier if Trevor's story is playing well. This is what I didn't get about the Trevor story signing. Um, Xander Bogarts is a better player than Trevor's story. If you were going to ask me where I'd put my money, it's obviously Xander Bogarts. And if I'm going to bring Trevor's story in here and give him all that, that money in that term, I almost would have traded Bogarts this, this year. Like by, by keeping Bogarts here and bringing Story in, again, it's Boston. You know what the situation's going to be like. You, you, you've, you've basically set Trevor Story up to be another Carl Crawford, a guy with a multi-year contract making a ton of money that everybody in the city hates. I, I, that signing Trevor Story made no sense to me at the time. It, it was almost like we no had Carlos this money. Correa, you're not going to give him $300 million. You've got to give somebody something. Exactly. Because we're the Red Sox. They give the second best name. That's what they exactly. do. Exactly. I would have really pounded the drum and gone. And, you know, frankly, I would have brought last year's team. I would have given Kyle Schwarber a, Schwarber a ton of money, and I would have run it back with last year's Red Sox team. I guarantee you last year's Red Sox team doesn't have the start this year's Red Sox team. Even though I understand the pitching situation with Chris Sale and all that, and they've, you know, they've completely... Devers got off the slow start. Devers got off the slow start. I, I, I just find the... Uh, um, I, I just... I, I find the situation... Um, it is sort of fun to talk about, though. Yeah, it is. Well, it it's is. fun with the Red Sox, always. Mm-hmm. Um... Hey, you know what time it is? It's time for Barker's Back Leg Bits. I don't know who he was praying to, but Barker's like, get up, get out of here. And the guy's right at the fence. Like, I got this one, you know? The umpires would throw the balls out. Like, hey, Barker's up. Bring in the six balls. We need the dead ones. Bring in the dead ones. Hey, Bark, why don't you just not worry about it? Yes! I heard you. Yeah. You heard me giggling. Yeah. Uh, Barker's back leg bits. We've got uh, four minutes here. Um, got a lot of a, little, a lot of questions here. Uh, I, Parlay Pug DM'd us. Uh, this is an interesting question. With offense being down all over baseball, I like this. With offense being down all over baseball, what is considered a good year for Vladdy and Bo? This gets to what we're talking about. What would be a good year? For Vladdy and Bo. I like 330 and 100 for Vladdy for the next however many years. He's a Blue Jay until he's old enough that he can't do 330 and 100. I said he's the next Albert Pujols, and I'm going to stick with it. And I said that's a consistent year for him. Whatever he gives you on the north of that, whether it's 115 ribbies and 40 homers and 320, that's fine. But 330 and 100 is every single year. Anything below that, you're not happy. No. Okay. 290, I don't like you. He's a 300 hitter. Bo's uh, Bo's a little tougher to to give a number to. I I this is what I think. I I think if he plays 155 games, that's a good year for him. 
I like that. Not gonna put. A, I'm not gonna put a number on what Bo can do because I don't know what that number is. It's here. Here we are, like into the third or fourth year of third year. Yeah. Of Bo Bichette, and you know his manager Charlie Montoya looks at him and says he's a guy that could win a batting title. Other people have said the same thing. Other people have said nope, he doesn't walk enough. He's never going to win a batting title. He's going to be a 30 homer guy. I still don't think we know what Bo. It's going to be good. Like it's not going to be a disappointment. But I, I yeah, if, if Bo's the type of guy, if he shows up one year and in his mind decides, I'm going to walk more and try to win a batting title, he'll probably win a batting title. He'll probably win a batting title. Winning battle title, titles in the, in the 340s. Can Bo hit 340? Well, Kicking it to your ear and, and Big Daddy hacking all that. Yeah, but, you know, let's, I mean, let's, see what, let's see what it's like. He can do the Big Daddy hack because like. his body allows him to do it. Let's see what it's like in two years, though, if guys, if this is the way the game is going to be offensively and guys kind of realize that, yeah, I'm not going to roll out of bed and hit four home runs today. See, that's what I really like about Bo is for, for a game that is in transition right now, I think it's neat seeing a guy that you just, like, I know what Vladdy's going to be. I just don't know what Bo's going to be. He might be the uh, in this lineup the guy that I just have no, you know, I think I know what Teoscar is. I think I have an idea what Lourdes is. We know what Springer's. I I don't know what Bo Bo can end up being as a player. I just don't. We will be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360. As always, wherever you get your favorite podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be doing Blue Jays Talk tomorrow night as well. It'll be a special Friday night edition of Blue Jays Talk. It'll be a special edition. But anyhow, Barker and I will be in Blue Jays Talk tomorrow night. Enjoy the off day. We'll see you tomorrow.